0: Coming to you from Beaumont,
1: this is your house call. A recent Gallup poll conducted in 2018 found that nearly 7,500 full-time employees surveyed 23% reported feeling burned out at work very often or always, while an additional 44% reported feeling burned out sometimes. And this burnout phenomenon is affecting more than just your well-being and your work life. It may be negatively affecting your health. Job burnout accounts for an estimated tens of billions of dollars in healthcare spending, and burnout has been attributed to rising rates of conditions like type 2 diabetes, coronary heart disease, and even death for those under age 45. So today, the conversation is about burnout and specifically the things we can do to survive. Hello and welcome to the Beaumont House Call podcast. I'm Dr. Nick Gilpin, and my goal is to help you and your family live a smarter, healthier life. Today's podcast is focused on burnout. We have two excellent guests on the podcast today. We have an expert on this topic, Dr. Peggy Nowak, and after Dr. Nowak, we have Dr. Jason Gilloran. Dr. Jason Gilloran is gonna help give us some perspective on a more comedic approach to dealing with burnout. In the conversation today, we'll hit several topics. We'll talk about burnout in general. Who, what, when, where, why. We'll talk about why burnout might be more prevalent today, and if so, why that is. We'll talk about what the role of the physician in managing burnout might be. First up, Dr. Peggy Nowak. Dr. Nowak is an otolaryngologist at Beaumont by trade, but she has a unique skill set as a physician champion helping to improve communication and customer satisfaction at Beaumont, and also helping to combat burnout among physicians. Her official title is Director of Physician Wellness and Professionalism. So with that, I welcome Dr. Nowak to the podcast.
2: Happy to be here. Yeah.
1: (laughs) This is going to be fun. So while we were kind of getting everything set up and doing a little bit of sound checking, you said Mm -hmm. something to me that I want to get to right away, and that is you don't like the word burnout.
2: Yes. Um, what word
1: should I be using? No,
2: I, I think burnout for the lay population is is something that most people do understand. Um, burnout has been defined in the past by a couple, three different things. One that's ca- uh, called emotional or physical exhaustion. The other one is being very cynical or and your role in your job, uh, and also the sense of feeling less effective or less productive in your role. And, and these together um, have been termed uh, burnout. Uh, but I would like to think of this as more of a moral injury, if you would, okay. and that has been described by others because what most of us are feeling when we've been, quote, burned out, is really a mismatch of our personal goals in our profession with those of the organization that they're working in. Okay. And um, so it's almost like a PTSD at work. Uh, It's you're being asked to do something or your goals are just not matching up with the environment that you're working in.
1: That feels like something that I think all of us have felt at one stage or another in our life. So I guess the next question I would segue to is, how do I know if I'm one of these people?
2: So uh, the signs and symptoms of burnout, again, would be physically and emotionally feeling exhausted. So okay. where you used to be able to get up out of bed and you were so excited about getting to work, and but now oh, you hit that snooze alarm three times. <laughs> um, you really dread getting out of bed. And when you get there, you've, you're spending, you know, 15, 20 minutes just checking emails, and you're not feeling very effective in your role, and you start to feel cynical about your job. You say, you know what, nobody would even really know if I was here or not, so maybe we'll just take a little longer lunch. And then you're, you're just becoming less effective at work.
1: Does this uh, seem to set its sights on, on certain populations more than others? Who's more likely to suffer from burnout?
2: yeah um typically burnout is uh, usually found amongst really highly motivated people okay. um, who work over long periods of time in a very emotionally charged environment so for us in medicine, that would be you know physicians you know we've spent many many years yeah. uh, working um it, with one goal in mind to take care of patients and of course there's a lot of emotions involved there oh, yeah. and emergency room physicians are probably they are our most burned out population again the emotions are high in the emergency room absolutely but we find it in other areas too surely in the police force mm-hmm. um they have a higher amount of of these same burnout if you would um or um firefighters also people who have to negotiate um, between two sides. Again, a very emotionally charged uh, environment. And usually they spent a great deal of time getting uh, to that, that place where they're at and work.
1: Is this phenomenon becoming more prevalent nowadays? Or are we just better at recognizing it and calling it out?
2: It's hard to say, but we've been measuring, quote, burnout for a while. And in the early 2000s, 2005, at least physicians and the general public were at about 20% uh, had at least one sign of burnout on the job. So again, they were either exhausted, or feeling cynical about their work. What's happened since 2008, 2009, is the general population has gone up to about 25, 26%, and, but the physician population has gone up to almost 50% or more. Especially in the emergency room population, it's even higher.
1: You know, I've, I've heard, um, I'm gonna use myself as an example right now, <laughs> I, I've heard people criticize um, what I'm going to say is, my generation of physicians, a younger mm. generation of docs, um, mm. and have accused us of of not being as as hardworking. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know, we're, we're, we we view our profession as um, something that we uh, that we enjoy, but we don't view it as our life. It's not our life. A- and some older physicians, I think, have criticized my generation for saying that you know we don't take our our profession as seriously mm-hmm. as we should, but I think that my generation values things outside of work, and and so I guess this is where I want to ask the question: um, chicken or egg? I mean, is this are, is, because we're recognizing that this burnout phenomenon is real? Is that why we're seeing the newer generation of physicians and the newer generation of the workforce are valuing those things outside of work more because they're more mindful of the burnout phenomenon? What do you think?
2: That's that's hard hard to say. Mm-hmm. I, I think people are realizing um that there is a good quality to life. Yeah. And and quality to life does not mean um you know, spending 100 hours a week at something. I don't think that that means that you're less dedicated to your job, but that it is healthy to have things outside of work. I think we've all seen people who are at the hospital at the age of 90, Mm. and they're still working because, truthfully, they have nothing else else in their life. Yeah. And um, now I'm not going to tell anybody that that's not healthy. That's right. really up to them to choose. That's a fair point. But um, I, I do think that the uh, generations now really do value um, their more of their family time and their free time and other things in their life
1: let's talk about, uh, let's segue into the coping mechanisms Mm -hmm. a little bit. So, you know, we've recognized that we may be suffering from burnout. Mm -hmm. Um, I would imagine there's a continuum of burnout. You know, it may be mild, it may be moderate, it may be severe. But Mm -hmm. let's just say for the sake of argument that someone listening to this right now says, yep, I'm burned out. What do I do about it?
2: Well, first of all, I think they need to realize that it's not you're a personal failing. It's not because um, you're lacking some essential quality like a work ethic or you're not resilient enough or you lack self-confidence. So I I think that's one point um, that people need to say that. You know, it's usually, again, a mismatch in your what you want out of life and what your job is is allowing you to do. There's some mismatch there in your inner soul between your job and yourself. And um, so while we do talk about doing mindfulness and eating right, exercising well, you can do all those things, but if you still have a mismatch in your professional life and you don't feel like you have control over your day, all the yogurt in the world is not <laughs> going to take away your feeling of emotional exhaustion or cynicism or being ineffective at work. So.
1: What are some quick things that, that uh, you know, quick takeaways? I'm, I'm feeling that stress at work. I'm feeling that, uh, you know, that exhaustion. Um, what are some things that I can do right now sitting at my desk that are going to help me get through the day?
2: I still think you need to, at some point, uh, talk to really think about what is causing this problem. And again, it goes back to morally, what, are, what is causing the problem and why are you feeling this way? Okay. So I, to me, there is no quick fix. This, that's one thing you can say. There's there, if, if there was a quick fix, I think we would have found it by now and been able to give somebody a pill or this <laughs> or that, or, or, or take a deep breath or uh, get an app on your phone and watch the calm video or whatever. Um, that's that's really not addressing the problem the problem is if it's something at work then you're going to need to sit down with the boss sure. Um,
1: so the stress management aspects are sure they're helpful, but you're not getting sure. at the root of, the, of the problem.
2: Correct. Yeah. Yes. I mean, yes. Taking mindfulness-based stress reduction does help focus you mm-hmm. uh, to dealing with the present, to mm-hmm. not sit around and ruminate in the past, and not worry about the future. And it's a, a very helpful technique, uh, but it is a technique, and you still, if you're going to really beat burnout. Your need to address the problems at hand. With that being said, I've taken mindfulness. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I encourage people to to take mindfulness courses, Me too. and uh, it it does help you. It helps focus your attention on what the real problem is, and not to sit back and and worry about things in the past. and And so I th- I do think that that's that's been very helpful.
1: Is there a role for the primary care doctor for this?
2: Primary care doctor, I, I would think you need to chat with them if you really are feeling uh, terribly depressed. Okay. I would hate to say that, you know, you're, how to, can you tell whether I've got true depression mm-hmm. or do I have? Um, burnout that I can try to tackle on my own or with somebody, you know, at work. And so talking with your primary care physician or a mental health uh, practitioner would be a good place to start if you're really confused on what's wrong with me.
1: Now I want to get into something that I think is a little more near and dear to your heart, Mm -hmm. which is the the idea of burnout within our profession, Mm -hmm. physician burnout. Um, So taking everything that we've learned today and sort of applying it to To physicians as you've alluded to already in the podcast being a physician is an incredibly rewarding job we all love what we do but it's also an extremely challenging job so talk about this notion of physician burnout and and what is it and what are we doing about it
2: first of all I'd like to say that we all like to work in a healthy work environment and that to me really boils down to finding joy uh, in doing meaningful work with a trusted team. So if you as an individual physician feel like you are your team is with you, you get along well, there's good professional ethics, and you're doing meaningful work, you won't be burned out. So what burnout really comes is, uh, like I said, about 50% of physicians are having issues with either emotional exhaustion, physical exhaustion, or feeling cynicism. And, um, you know, again, a lot of it is we're feeling a mismatch. We are, we have, we are dedicated to our work. We have spent 10 years after college um, Perfecting our skill, perfecting our trade. And what we want overall is to take care of patients. But now, all of a sudden, there's coming a lot in from a lot of different areas
1: external forces.
2: External forces, absolutely. Uh, And one could be like from the insurance companies. You know, of course, they're mandating that um, we have, uh, preauthorization for, for every test for many medications. And that becomes, they're basically essentially, um, questioning what we are doing and, and that creates, uh, an issue with many. And, uh, when we have to call another physician and beg for a test, have peer, and pe- peer review uh, on a routine basis that ends questioning our, our um, concern for the patient. And it takes us away from our patient. And um, the other things are the hospitals are becoming a little bit more demanding on how we code how we bill, uh, how we do our medical records, what data is put in. And many that creates a cynicism in a lot of us because many of us aren't really... Sure that that's going to increase patient care. What it's going to do is allow for uh, more billing and more collections of money. But physicians are being put into the area of having to do that. So um, they
1: sort of a loss of control at the, abso- at the root of this, absolutely.
2: Right? It's a loss of control of how you're spending your day. That's
1: sort um, of an overarching theme. It sounds mm-hmm. like in general, right? I mean, physician Correct. burnout is a unique phenomenon, but the mm-hmm that, as you've alluded to already, that loss of control is really a a root driving force behind a lot of the burnout issues.
2: Absolutely. And that's what hurts our soul. And that's why I said it's more of a moral injury, because Mm -hmm. what we really want to do is to take care of patients. And... um, and everything is eating away at our time with our patients. Yeah. When I first started at Beaumont 30 years ago in the doctor's dining room I never heard anybody talking about really retirement. Now it's you know people are trying to say well I wonder when I can retire. I wonder can I retire at 45 or 50? I mean things that conversations that I never heard before. Yeah. So
1: what do you tell physicians that uh, that either you discover because maybe they're having performance issues at work or they come to you and say, I, I, this is me, I'm Mm -hmm. burned out. What do you Mm -hmm. tell those physicians? How do you direct them?
2: So again, I, if it, I think if they are an employed physician, Mm -hmm. then, um, you know, I encourage them to try to get a little bit more control of their work environment, to talk to their boss, um, to see if there's something that we can actually change in the system. Um, but physicians overall, I think, have to get actually a little more involved. Mm-hmm. We need to work better with our IT people uh, to create systems that are going to work better for us. And we, as physicians, need to really demand that we have a little bit more control of how our day is spent, as far as the flow of the patient, um, the t- the day, the time of the day that maybe we start and yeah. finish. You know, for many people, just starting an hour later or an hour earlier makes all the difference in in their day and their control of the day. And that's not just for physicians; it's really for any employee. Um, you know, having the ability to adjust your work hours depending on your family needs or your personal needs is very important. I've also encouraged people to think about getting scribes, uh, to have somebody in that room with you that is actually putting in your data for you so that you can make eye contact with your patients.
1: Get back to that connection. And get
2: back to that connection because that's what we really do like. We really, most of us went into medicine because we like people. Uh, if we didn't like people, we probably wouldn't yeah,
1: have yeah, chosen medicine
2: absolutely. as a career. Um, and, of course, on more on the national level, our, uh, the American Medical Association is trying to work with the insurance companies, et cetera, to, um, to change the way pre-authorization and mandates are, are, um, are being rolled out. Yeah. Um, but we also have to encourage, uh, the, I think, the leaders at the hospital, too, uh, to do things that good leaders in any company would do, which is, uh, number one, to have uh, career development conversations with people and uh, to say that, boy, you really have a certain skill, and wouldn't it be nice if you continued to develop these skills? So, in, again, in any any field uh, that you would into. Yeah. To promote people to grow.
1: Yeah, I like that because there's definitely, there's I can see the applicability to, to anything, not just being a physician, obviously. There's a lot of overlap here in this. Yeah,
2: absolutely, because any organization that cares about your personal growth, um, you will not be stagnant in your job. You will, all the studies have shown that if a company really, Trust you and gives you the freedom and encourage personal growth. Um, job satisfaction goes up, burnout goes down. We
1: haven't, we haven't really talked about um, you know physical wellness as mm-hmm. a as a coping mechanism. Is there a role here for you know? It occurs to me as I get busier at work, what's the first thing to go? Right, mm-hmm. the gym. I'm okay. not sure. going. I'm not exercising. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm probably because I'm more tired and I get home later and there's mm-hmm. no time. Right. What's the role of really trying to uh, emphasize wellness and educate and exercise and those types of things? I,
2: I think you have to put it on your schedule, yeah. and many physicians live by their schedule. Mm-hmm. And if you just block out, you know, where so nobody will put something in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you've got your calendar, and you decide at the beginning of the month, when you're going to work out and what you're going to do. And if it's there, it will be highly unlikely that somebody else is going to add that extra patient, or that you're going to accept a meeting. So it's really about the organizational skills of organizing your day.
1: Yeah, it's a funny thing about calendars. that uh, mm-hmm. every, Everybody seems to be able to control my calendar except for me. Sometimes yeah. is, the, well, is the feeling, you're, right? You're right. But So you've
2: <laughs> got to get in there first, and you've got to block it out. And if seven to eight you're going to be in the gym every day, then you don't, ex- or at least three days a week, so you only accept 7 a.m. meetings two days a week, and that's it. And the world will work around you. Good.
1: I'm here in the studio now with Jason Gillerin. Dr. Jason Gillerin is a urologist with Beaumont. He attended medical school at Wayne State and completed his residency training at the University of Illinois, Chicago. Jason has a unique side job for a physician. He is a stand-up comedian. He's performed at Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle in Royal Oak, and he has been a guest on the Sitting Down with Stand-Ups podcast. And he's done a number of shows all over Metro Detroit. I'm going to chat a little bit with Jason about his uh, double life and how laughter might be a good anti-burnout strategy. So with that, I welcome Dr. Gilleran to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, for sure. So first time we've met, um, I'm really curious to know a little bit about you and and how you've gotten into this uh, interesting uh, side profession. So I understand you're relatively new to the stand-up game. Tell me how you got into that. Uh, I, I basically got badgered by my wife to do it eventually. <laughs>
0: eventually, I gave in. That's how a lot of guys end up doing a lot of things in their lives. How long have you been doing it for? <laughs> uh, a little over a year, about 15 months now. Okay. Uh, I started probably the seed planted many, many years ago, and a lot of people would you know, tell me, oh, you're funny, you should do stand-up. Sometimes when I went into like um, sort of soapbox tirades about things in the office and about medicine and just stuff in general, you know, um, and people that it, it started to sound like comedy to me, and I'm like, well, yeah, okay, I'm kind of a funny guy. I get that. It's not, you know, that wasn't a surprise to me. But then, around four years ago, I started writing it down. I actually started
1: writing material. I, I have to believe you're incorporating, you know, urology stuff. I mean, I think urologist yes. comedian, you know, the mm-hmm. jokes kind of write themselves. You know, yeah, that was kind of the the aim when I started yeah. Uh,
0: thinking, yeah, I'll I'll make this my thing. Yeah, and I don't want to do that as my only thing. So I kind of like I always work that in um, as I go along. I kind of tend to
1: start away from it, and then I kind of like reveal. Okay, this is what I do. That's right. It's you know it's it's good material. You know, prostate exams are are funny, right? I mean, you know, that's I, I did a
0: joke actually when I was at a national urology meeting, and not at the meeting, but I was at a I did a show and um, about take your kids to work day and having to teach uh, how I was scoring serious dad points teaching my nine year old how to do his first prostate exam on a on a grown man and um and since his fingers are so small i said go ahead you can just use them all the, the guy ends up getting a second through a tenth opinions on his prostate so.
1: and uh so it's that's one of the yeah that one that one always works <laughs> so being a physician getting back to the, the the burnout side of the story being a doc is a serious job yes. and and most of the docs that I interact with are very serious people, if, if mm-hmm. not serious, at least very compartmentalized. Mm-hmm. Um, have you kind of cracked the code? Or have you been able to successfully meld this, you know, this double life together with comedy and with medicine? And and if yes, and I think the answer probably is yes, has that helped you in your job satisfaction? Or has that helped you with your patients?
0: Yes, I've always had, I mean, I think a, a good rapport, like that's always been like my strong suit i think patients really like when i talk to them about serious topics and i don't try to like make light of anything but um you know if you have a sort of a cheerful comedic view towards certain things it takes a lot of, i mean patients have told me hey this you know i was freaking out about this problem i had and you really made it sound like much more makes more sense and um you know if they like you i mean it's it goes a long way you know if you take good care of them and you do what's right, and then they like you. Then they, you know, they get word of mouth. It gets out, and people will, you know, they want to see you. So, would you
1: consider this that answers uh, your question? That I, <laughs> you, yeah, no. Would you consider this, um, you know, doing stand-up comedy as a as an anti-burnout strategy for you? Is that something? Does that help you? It does. Deal with yeah.
0: Um, I don't. I didn't do it as that reason. Um, I will say this. You know, I, I find other things that that do help Um, anything that you can do that has, you know, an outlet um, that allows you to be creative, to be artistic in any way. If you have something that you, you know, um, are good at, it's, you know, I'm 47 years old. I'm not getting any younger. I want to, if you're going to share your talent with the world or, or just with yourself or with anybody else, it's, it's a good, it's a good thing to do. It really, uh, it's, it, it, it uses a different part of your mind. um, probably takes your mind off of any of this, you know, you, you don't focus on something negative that happened that day or that week and you kind of like, hey, I had something else that I did. And like the creative process of writing a joke and delivering it and doing and performing it um, is a, it's unique. It's, it's a different, different feeling than
1: if you take out someone's kidney stone or something like that. I can't help but think that part of the reason why docs or why people that are in um, highly, um, intense professions like being a physician um, part of this might be because we just in general sort of take ourselves too seriously Uh, at least that's my impression i think doctors my my impression when i meet a lot of doctors and i it's one of the reasons why i don't go to a lot of cocktail parties where there's a lot of doctors because i find that you know the the conversation quickly goes to medicine and suddenly everyone sort of takes themselves too seriously Um, do you think that makes us more likely to burn out the whole idea of taking ourselves too seriously.
0: It probably doesn't help the situation. I
1: would, I would agree with that. I think doctors in general,
0: you know, you have to make a decision fairly early in life to do this profession. Uh, You have to go through a lot of jump through so many hoops to get, you know, through to medical school, to get through to residency, to get through to training um, licensure You have to deal with a lot of stuff. And I think a lot of people, especially, you know, I mean, residency, anybody that's done a residency knows, you know, that's a, it's a part of your life where you, um, you sacrifice a lot. And I think a lot of doctors sort of feel like uh, maybe people that aren't in the field don't realize how much that we've sacrificed. I mean, there's people in any field that are put in a tremendous amount of time and effort and, you know, but doctors, I think, tend to think, well, you know, we've, we've really you know really put ourselves to the through the through the grinder to do this and um, and then if you end up feeling like you know th- this is how it's supposed to be and there are things and and you run into a practice that you know that
2: aren't
1: the way you thought they were supposed to be it can be frustrating so one of the things that, you know, we're talking about a lot on this podcast is physician burnout, but I want to bring that back to, you know, the, the non-physician. And I think one of the reasons why it's important to talk about physician burnout is because I believe, and I'm hoping you can help me with this, physician burnout impacts the people that we are taking care of, right? So, Absolutely. So, um, so was it fair for me to say that we should be tackling physician burnout because of the downstream effects that it's going to have on our patients? And, and, and talk about why you think that's important for us. Well, it's if if you find that you
0: are, and, and trust me, I have found myself in this in this scenario a number of times and it's not something that I'm happy about or proud of in any way. It's just a, it's a, it's, you have some difficult moments in the day and, um, if you don't handle them right. And sometimes that happens, you know, you have to be, um, you know, there's always an air of professionalism you have to try to get back to. And, right. um, so if you feel like you, uh,
1: um, have, you know, if it's affected your way, how have you're, I'm yeah, gonna. Yeah. I'm just gonna rag on myself for a sure. minute here because I, I kn- I'm thinking back to a time when I was when I was working extremely hard. I was the only person that was doing what I was doing at the hospital for for a short amount of time, and I was covering pretty much the whole place. And you know, for for a few days, that's okay. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, after that, it starts to grind you. And you know, here I am, and I and I have. I get my list of patients every day, right? And I've got 20 patients on my list or 25 patients on my list. And suddenly after a few days, I start to feel that crunch. And suddenly these are no longer patients that I'm taking care of. These are just Mm -hmm. interactions. These are just boxes that I'm checking. Mm -hmm. And I think that we have to be mindful of that because we are not doing a service to our patients if we're just zombies moving through the day, just checking boxes, going from one thing to the next. And to me, that's a, that's a sure sign of burnout when you, when you are just forgetting that there's a patient on the other end of that interaction and you're just treating it like a transaction, right? That's, that's why I think it's important to address physician burnout. Yeah. And, and I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of patients can
0: sense that. And that's, and that's when it gets really, that's when it really gets to be, you know, difficult for everyone. And, um, so if you don't, I mean, it's, it's even more difficult, I think when you're in an inpatient setting in a hospital compared to like in the office, because it's a whole different. People are in a different state of mind. They're in a yeah. different state of health. Uh, more acute issues. Um, so then you have to find a way to connect with family. Um, yep. But anytime you see, you know, someone, and if you find some way to connect with them as quickly as you can in the in the, in the office, um, and uh, you know, they'll because if they if they if they know that
1: you're 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 zonked out or something yep. like that, they'll notice right away. You said it. They yeah. they can absolutely pick that up. You oh can yeah, smell it a mile away. Yeah. I'd say, you know, I think I'm gathering from you and just from the conversation, I think it's important to to recommend finding something, a hobby, a passion, something outside of work. And I think that that's something that a lot of people in our profession are pretty lousy at. I think a lot of us got into this job Mm -hmm. and we treat it like it's a lifestyle, and it is. Mm -hmm. But I think that we maybe have not always done such a good job of of fostering those other outlets, whatever they may be. Yeah, go see a stand-up comedian. That's a good way to... Yeah. De-stress, blossom, steam. Always. That's about all the information that we have time for today. I want to thank our guests, Dr. Peggy Nowak and Dr. Jason Gilloran. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I also want to remind you to send along any questions or suggestions to podcast at beaumont.org. Dr. Shah Jahan and I are looking out for the best questions to add to a future mailbag episode. And with that, we'll leave you today with this healthy thought. The American Psychological Association recommends a few basic tips to help manage workplace stress and help avoid burnout. Number one, accept the fact that you can't control everything. Number two, have a healthy outlet like exercise and do it daily or as often as time will allow and make sure that you put it on the calendar. Number three, take slow deep breaths throughout the day. This is not gonna fix the burnout problem, but this will at least help manage the stress that can lead to burnout. Or consider taking a course in mindfulness meditation. And number four, take short breaks throughout the day to help restore clarity and focus. Remember to be kind to yourself, your mind, and your body. It's the only one we've got. Continue your journey to living a smarter, healthier life. Visit beaumont.org slash podcast to access information and resources related to today's podcast.